Welcome to the Path to Pro Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, John Russos, and for this episode, our guest, very well accomplished, very well spoken, current assistant coach with the Oakland Roots, Jordan Farrell. Among other things, we get to hear about Jordan assistant coaching at the University of Pacific, his time spent with the Sacramento Republic Academy, the Oakland Roots, and I think one of the best parts of the podcast, his favorite soccer memory. It's a great episode. I hope you enjoy. Jordan, can you hear me? John, how's it going? Perfect, perfect. Uh, hey, right off the bat, Jordan, I got to ask, what was your first pair of soccer cleats? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up on like Walmart cleats, um, so I didn't really... I, I think the first pair of cleats that I saved up for, I, I remember they were like... Um, like thirty-five or forty dollars, they were Pumas, um, and I saw them at a soccer store in town. I just wanted them so badly, and I saved and saved and saved, and um, yeah, I got them. I was about, I think I was about twelve, twelve or thirteen when I when I got that pair. So, okay, and I, I lived in them too. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I wore those things down until they were they were nothing because uh, they were they yeah they were my favorite and. Um, and they fit so well back then. They were, you know, the kangaroo leather and all that. So it was good. I love it. I love it. Um, and then in terms of playing, when did you start? Um, so actually, my my brother, I have an older brother. Uh, he's about three years older. And he started playing when he was about five. So I would always be at his games and whatnot. And then about three and a half, um, I started playing like, rec you know rec soccer and whatnot and then yeah. i was actually a multi-sport athlete so I, I played played baseball um played basketball ran track and uh, and then also played soccer and that was the one that kind of stuck with me all the huh. way through so mm-hmm. i've got to say you have a very impressive resume for your age um, i'm curious about your time as an assistant under ryan jordan at the university of pacific do you mind telling me a little about that yeah, so um, I mean, I'm, I was really, I mean, really lucky. I would say I was actually doing my master's degree at, at Pacific when I was coaching. I was a head coach just up the road at the junior college uh, when they announced that they were getting men's soccer. So I was, I'm from Stockton and building a, a Division One program, uh, you know, kind of in my hometown and in my backyard was, it's like a dream. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, I met him at, you know, he was announced, I think, in August, and he had a whole year to build the team. And, um, yeah, I met him, sat down with him, got to know him. He's a, a great guy, and I think, you know, a very uh, – I mean, they, they made a great decision in hiring him as a first head coach because mm-hmm. I think he did things, you know, the right way, very very stably, and, and you could see kind of – I mean, there's a rapid curve at a certain point and how the, the, the results progressed. But I think anybody who saw us over the course of the first couple of years of the program could see like that steady um, growth in in the way of playing. I mean, I, uh, I I definitely believe that that Pacific had a concrete style and way of playing that made it a little bit unique in college soccer. Um, and so it was a that was a fun fun period of time. And you know, we from the beginning with Ryan, there was a big emphasis on on you know a mix of local kids meaning like central valley stockton um kids but also northern california and then california and then um you know the ripples kind of going out from there because interesting it's a, it's a california 
staple. You know, it's the oldest uh, chartered university in the state. And so I think that was, there was a, there was some key, you know, building blocks um, that were already in place in terms of how the athletic department and the school where they were headed. And so, um, you know, we were lucky. We, I think we were lucky to, to come in at a time when um, there was big support, good support in the community too. I mean, Stockton is a, you know, it's a industrial city, it's port city, it's a, a center for agriculture and, and all of that. So you have a lot of um, working class people who enjoy, enjoy their football. And, um, and the atmosphere at Pacific is, is really cool. The way the, the um, city, like the city kind of surrounds the university, but also the mm-hmm. way the university surrounds the field. And so, um, you know, getting, getting to be there and, and build that up, the game day environment is, is awesome. Um, and, you know, we had some, some really good players come through, you know, players take a chance early on with, you know, usually when you're recruiting somebody to a, a college, you know, you bring them on campus, they get to see the team, meet the team, or at least they can, you know, Google or YouTube and find clips of the team playing. But we were that first group, um, you know, I, I signed on, there was about uh, 11 or 12 guys signed at that point. And then, you know, we finished it with another 11 um, or 12 after, after I signed on, um, in January. So those guys are recruiting, you're recruiting to a vision. And I think it was pretty cool to see some of the guys, you know, kind of realize that vision, um, getting into the national tournament in, in a few short years. And the first couple of years were rough. And if you would have told us that we would have, um, you know, lost as many games as we won in the first, um, two years, that third year, I, I don't think anybody would have believed it, but, uh, the the whole principle from the beginning was one game at a time and to mm-hmm. re- really build a way of playing um, that was stable. And I think it showed, you know, three, I left after the first, first year, um, but I, you know, they, they've maintained that same success and now Ryan's moved on to, uh, to UCLA. And I think that that shows the firm foundation that was laid by him so definitely and I, I think that's a perfect segue right now in the u.s the emphasis and, and the the mindset whatever sport it might be but for soccer is excel at the academy level then play collegiately excel collegiately then play professionally when do you think that emphasis will switch to excel on an academy level and then directly uh, trying to, to play professionally whether that's in nisa and the usl or the mls yeah, I think it's starting to happen. Okay. Um, so when I was at, at Pacific, we, you know, we would recruit kids, and as you obviously, when you, when you're a brand new program, or when you, um, you know, were one fifteen and one, I think we were in that second year. It's kind of tough to recruit like kids who are making that decision between pro and college. That's not really the the kid yeah. that you get. But as we were, you know, as we transitioned after that that third year and having some success, started to recruit a higher caliber of player, and at that time, 2016, I think there was a couple, there's always been a couple kids that are, that are making that choice. But I actually just tweeted something the other day about the trend of young players playing more at, at the professional ranks, the MLS and USL hmm. ranks. And I think it's something that we're seeing, you know, 2019 is a year um, that will be, and it will end up, um, you know, one of the best, uh, I think, thus far in, in the recent history of what I think it was like 2007 when the guy went back to, but um, of young players playing. And so I think that's a, you know, it's a trend I saw when I was there. Um, I made the move to, to Sacramento Republic and it's mm. a, and then, the, you know, this last year I was coaching 17s and 19s and I, 
the conversations with the players that I was having were uh, a lot different than the players uh, even, you know, three, four years ago where they were looking at college even for a year or two, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Now guys are, you know, guys are, I wouldn't say mind made up, but they're, they're really weighing the, is college the right path and is it not? And more and more, um, that is a realistic decision for a 17, 18, 19 year old kid. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. if we, if we really do talk about winning a world cup at some point, we have mm-hmm. to have, you know, more, um, Efren Alvarez, you know, 16 year old playing in the MLS, the guy, the galaxy. Uh, yeah, down at the Galaxy. I think there's, you know, a couple guys littered across the MLS now that are 16, 17, 18 years old that are playing relatively consistently. And I think yeah. that's that's the trend. That's a, 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 I would say, a desirable trend if we're yeah. really talking about getting to MLS. Now, college soccer um, is is a staple of American soccer, at least it has been. Um, and it has, you know, it's... It, I, I'm a firm believer that it's about how the uh, the coach and the school and the players utilizes the resources of college soccer, whether or not it's a good place for development. I think the big thing is, you know, the thing that I hate about college soccer is simply the, the restriction on the number of games in the competitive season. I think the infrastructure of college soccer, if we were to turn, let's say we turned, you know, college soccer loose within the system of promotion and relegation, I think you'd have some college soccer teams that because of their resources could climb a couple divisions pretty quickly. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, I've, I've coached guys that have played, you know, UEFA youth champions league. And they've said like the facilities here are way better than some of the stuff that we've seen at, at these clubs. Now that, that should also tell us something that like we have the resources, we're just not using them um, the way others are. Uh, but I, I think, that decision, the fact that more kids are, are weighing that decision and the fact that there's more professional roster spots available to kids now than there were even five years ago uh, within the United States, that makes a big difference. And you see guys trying them, trying their luck abroad more at younger ages. And um, I think that makes a difference. I think it's a good it's a good step forward for American soccer and the American soccer system that guys have. Uh, opportunities and they're they're now making that decision of is college soccer right or is the professional route right right now yeah um, so I think it's a big plus mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think that's very well put uh, and you you just touched on this but uh, Sacramento Republic uh, do you mind talking about your time there and, and with the academy but also how do you approach coaching the academy players at, at Sac Republic versus the players at the University of Pacific uh, yeah, I mean, a lot different, you know, um, I actually took the, the 13s and 14s at Sac Republic when I moved from Pacific. So that was a big age gap. Yeah, big, big gap. And um, I saw it as a real opportunity to dive into that, like I was saying earlier, that golden age of learning and develop myself as a coach with, with players, I'd always done um, youth as well, while I was coaching it at Pacific, I did a lot of like the high school age club and, but I did a lot of work with our, our PDP in Northern California at, okay. at, the, at those ages. And I thought it was a, you know, it's one of those things that as I was a young coach, I wanted to get experience in that, that stage of, of development. And um, I also wanted to get experience in a, in a professional youth Academy to figure out, you know, um, the motivation of, of players throughout the process and where, you know, 
just get familiar with it um, as well as learn and be challenged and be way outside my comfort zone at, at certain points. Um, but Republic, I think the momentum that's at Republic is incredible. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, I got there and I, I was um, fortunate enough to work with um, our now the, you know, Republic's head coach and assistant coach uh, before they became the head coach and assistant coach when they were in the academy. And I think, um, you know, the groundwork that was laid in the first couple of years in the academy, it really became a focal point for um, soccer in the Central Valley. You know, it was well respected as like that's where the top players should be. And um, and get so getting into that system at the 13s and 14s and realizing like, you know, we're we're training the, the young ones and and and. Um, you know, teaching them to look at the professionals and how to analyze uh, uh, that and, and the, the process of being within a professional club. I think that's, that's what I came for. And, and um, you know, I was, I was really lucky. I coached, um, you know, all the way through the categories. And, uh, and then the, this last year was a brand new experience for me where I was working with our, our 19s, which in our club um, was like the second team for the club. And okay. so... Um, you know, a lot of players that trained with the first team all, all week and then would come oh, awesome. play play games with us on the weekend. And so those guys were getting, um, uh, you know, really valuable experience. Luck, yeah. yeah. And just I mean, they were they were training with pros. They were learning how to be pros in terms yeah. of, um, um, you know, how to handle themselves if they're injured or if they're not playing or if they had a bad training session or just just that type of stuff. And there's some really, really good players in the first team that guys could learn from. And, yeah. I, and so I think that part of being in a professional club mm-hmm. um, was a great experience for me. It was a big learning experience for me. Um, and and uh, so that's why I went, was to experience those things because yeah. you learn about, you know, the, the psychology of a, uh, of a 16-year-old who just saw his teammate get called in to the first team. And, you know, he's in the 17s, and his teammate just got called in to, to train with the first team or get on the bench with the first team and how, how you have to, you know, stimulate that guy's, uh, um, stimulate his, his intrinsic desire to grow and to achieve that. But also a little bit of dose of reality of like, Hey, everybody, everybody grows at different rates and he's pushing himself. So he's there. So now it's your turn. You push yourself. You yeah. know? Um, so I think that, that, that is something that we need more of. And that's why I was saying we need more professional clubs especially. Mm-hmm. And Sacramento Republic as a club, I've seen some games on TV in the past. They get a very good crowd. They get a very good crowd. And I did a little research averaging around 11,000 fans for a regular season game, but league attendance in the USL under 4,000. What is Sacramento doing differently that may contribute to this? And honestly, when I think of Sacramento, I don't think of a soccer first city, which is which is right. crazy, yeah. right? Because there's actually Sacramento soccer players that are littered all over the the professional like history of America. You know, there's top players that have come out of I would say Sacramento. Um, you know, maybe less so than the Bay Area, but Sacramento is also a little bit more isolated um, than the Bay Area. And there's been a lot of really good players to come out of out of Sacramento. So I think it's it's uh, it's interesting because I've heard that from you know quite a few people. But also, you know, uh, the Central Valley. I mean, Sac's a, a big part of the Central mm-hmm. Valley, obviously, as a state capital. But 
as a hub for for that and so i think that that is uh you know that's that's one of its strengths and so uh and it's a cosmopolitan city so there's a lot of i mean when you're when you're sitting in the stands of a game you'll hear lots of different languages and you'll see lots of different people from from lots of different necks of the woods and and um and sack i think republic you know it was built for mls since day one and so that momentum you know really started off hot they won the usl in the first mm -hmm. year um and so that was that's kind of something people show out yeah. for i think then then you know it's it's been there's been some bumps and bruises along the mls road um i think brighter days yeah. are ahead um I'm, I'm crossing my fingers i'm i'm a fan of sac republic and and always will be um but they they certainly have the momentum of mls um uh, has has waxed and waned over the course of the last couple of years and um you know things i think things like promoting um young players things like um having a, an academy coach especially a well-known name like simon step into the the first team and that that kind of homegrown feel um has been beneficial to to getting uh good good crowds but i also think sacramento is a city that just they they really do love soccer mm -hmm. um all around and there's tons and tons of youth national team players yeah. and and top players that have come out of there so i think it's um it, it'll definitely have its support and i i just i mean when when mls comes for that city and that region it's going to be it's going to be big time. So I'm, I'm excited for them. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And I, and I like how you said that, but I, I can't help but think of this question. Right now, no promotional system in the U.S. Um, and some of these USL teams like you know, Charleston Battery, for example, Tampa Bay Rowdies, not the biggest media markets. Do you think we will ever see a promotional system or do you think these teams will be floating in limbo unless they win the MLS lottery? Yeah. So I, I like to, um, I'm a realist, yeah, love it. Thank you, you know, and, and, um, but I also like on the scale of realism, I sway towards optimism. Okay. Um, so realistically, I think it'll be very tough, um, for MLS owners because of yeah. the money, you know, the money situation and just the way the, the, you know, the, um, the system has, has developed. I think there's, you know, there's some, some really important things happening in the system of soccer legally and socially that, um, I hope push us towards a, a more open system, the way it is, is clearly effective around the rest of the globe. Um, so I, I hope for that. I think realistically, there's going to be promotion and relegation within some sort of whether it's amateur to lower level professional or within lower level professional. Um, I think within you know the next uh, decade, I would hope decade or two. Um, I think you know USL's come out and said that that's that's something they're interested in. I know um, there's been quite a few conversations with different organizations about it. Um, so I think it's something that now more than maybe, um, previously there's, there's a bigger buzz around, um, socially in the world of soccer in America. Um, yeah, I hope so. I think it's, you know, I say this all the time, but you know, and let's say in the Bay area, if one of the small communities, maybe that nobody, nobody really knows Burlingame or yeah. something like that. Right. If they were able to, or East Palo Alto, you know, if they were able to, to have a club there that played, 
you know, played San Jose earthquakes, imagine what that would do for the Bay Area. And everybody says, oh, that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be good for TV revenues. Well, I, I, I've been to, to Abar in the, the corner of some mountains in, uh, you know, Basque country in, in Spain. And we watched them play and the stadium was packed. And, you know, there's Abar fans all over the world. And um, I, I, I struggle to think that, that that wouldn't happen or that wouldn't stimulate um, growth within a community or just the, the, um, the fandom wouldn't take over. We see it every place else in the, in the world. And um, American sports is that there's, you know, 30 plus uh, teams at the very top and that's it. But the reality is, I mean, there's four tiers of professional football within uh, Germany, you know, and, and everybody has a chance to make it up and you see clubs go, you know, three Hoffenheim, four divisions real quick, five divisions real quick. Um, and I, I hope, I really do hope. And I maintain the optimism um, that we'll, we'll see that one day. Definitely. Definitely. Well, hey, I, I want to talk a bit about your new role with the Oakland roots, um, your expectations, your goals, and also uh, the jerseys, the merch, amazing. I love them. I honestly do. I think some of the best jerseys that are out there, at least in the U.S. soccer-wise, in the crest for Oakland, I think really speaking to its diversity. So I applaud what you all are doing. Yeah, these guys have, they've, they've done a great job with the branding. I mean, I've, I've, um, I, I went to college at Cal State East Bay, and I spent a lot of time um, in Oakland um, in college and, and just growing up as well. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty fond of the city and, um, it's a, it's a really cool project that, you know, I, I've started reading up on it just cause I, I pay attention to lower league, um, soccer on social media and just on media in general. And I started reading up on, on what they were doing. And it's, it's a cool idea that doesn't happen all the time. Right. And, in, in us soccer, you see this down right now, kind of the, the difference between the two, you can kind of see USL San Diego is basically there will be a USL franchise in San Diego. Um, and, and that's, that's the normal, I would say the norm um, um, for us soccer. Oakland roots has said, Hey, we're going to build a club and we're going to build a profe- It's going to be a professional team, but it's also going to have a big um, like social impact or orientation towards the city of Oakland. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really cool, um, uh, thing to be known mm-hmm. for. And you see, you know, the branding and everything they've, they've really done their job. I think, you know, Idris, who's one of the, the, he's the chief marketing officer and one of the founders, um, as well as others that are, that are involved. The, these guys have, um, you know, made it a, a brand that people want to wear and people, uh, like, you know, what it represents even before there's been a product on the field. And I think that that's, um, you know, a really good way to build. Um, they're not built for uh, any particular league in, per se, but they are professional. And so they're going to try to find a um, professional level that suits mm. them. Um, and I think the right now, the NISA is their, their, their route. Um, who knows where that ends up? Like I said, who knows what the landscape of soccer looks like in America in, in five or 10 years or, um, and who's to say, but they're, they're definitely not going to be any place besides Oakland. And I think that's, that's really cool. You know, some people, um, 
some clubs will will move outside the city to be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Um, but they're going to be, you know, they're going to be in Oakland um, going forward. And and you see from the crest and from the gear that they, you know, they're they're listening to and they're aware of what the culture is in Oakland and in this time and, and trying to to do that. So I think our, our obligation, you know, on the footballing side of things is to, to produce a product that people from Oakland can be, can be proud of. Um, and, and, and that represents them. I think that, you know, you see from the crest, the diversity is key in the Bay area. Um, and Oakland is a good, good uh, place to, to really represent that. And so, you know, our team right now has guys from all different cultures and ethnic backgrounds. And, and that's where I feel, um, you know, growing up in the Central Valley in the Bay Area, that's where I feel the most mm-hmm. at home is with that diversity. And so, um, it's going to be a cool. It's going to be a cool project. I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm definitely paying very close attention this season. And Jordan, building on that, do you mind talking about your soccer philosophy and also your coaching philosophy? Are they the same? Are they different? Yeah, I. I, um, I think. My, my personal philosophy is that people are our greatest currency. I think that, um, you know, my, my bachelor's degree is sociology, but more importantly, I've just, I've just learned all along the, the way in life that, that, you know, every, every person from every walk of life can, can give you some, um, you know, some, uh, some nugget that's just going to be, it can be gold in your pocket. And so I've always, um, I've always that way. And so, you know, with my players, I, I recognize at the end of the the day and mo- most importantly, that they're people, they're human beings. And, and, um, and, and so that side of things on the coaching side of things, I really, uh, emphasize that there's human development, there's personal development along with the football development, but on the football side of things, like philosophically, I think football is for the people, you know, we're, I like to tell our players that we're entertainers, you know, first, uh, because this is sport. You know, we, I'm blessed enough to, to, to coach a, a, a PE sport for a living. Right. And yeah. so the players should enjoy the product on the field. Um, I think now, especially at a professional level, the fans should enjoy the product that we put on the field. Um, now winning is a, I would say, uh, the, the, the enjoyment is a little bit more rich um, when you're winning than when you're. Um, so that's a, that's a, an important part of it, but I think that it should be, it should be a product that, that brings people happiness. You know, I always say that I'm trying to play um, as much as possible. I'm trying to play with my team's um, dynamic, attractive, attacking football, things that the, the, the players do and the teams do that, bring people out of their seat and just make people remember like those goals or those moments. And, um, and so that's a, that's a big piece. Um, I would, I would say that I'm probably, a um, if you watch my teams play, we are, we use possession as a tool to score goals. Um, I know a lot of people say possession based or possession oriented, but possessions are tool. Um, so if I can score a goal in three passes, I'd score a goal on three passes, but, um, certainly my teams pass the ball. We try to play through teams, around teams, over teams, but with with um, with connected ideas, not just haphazardly. So, um, yeah, it's um, but 
but the people that you get, like, and, and this is kind of why I emphasize people, the people that you get make your way of playing. So you're going to, you're going to move to different places and you're going to, um, uh, coach different people. I have my way of viewing the game, but when I'm in a different place, I have to figure out how to mesh those two. And I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of football. There's no one way to play it, but it's the people interacting that, that bring out the, the qualities, hopefully the best qualities in everybody. Um, so. Excellent. And Jordan, with everything that's happened, everything you've done, is this the way you saw your career with soccer going? Uh, no. Um, I, you know, I was never, I, I, I would say I was a good player. I was never like a really, really top player. Um, again, like I, I, I ran track, um, like I wouldn't say full time, but I was honestly 50, 50 between track and soccer all the way through high school. I mean, I did, um, sections and, and, and at that level late into the spring of my senior year running track. And then I, you know, I'd already made up my mind to go to college and play soccer. And so when I went to college, yeah, I was like all in soccer because that was the only sport that I was doing. Um, and, and I just, you know, I tried to engross myself in it, but I've always loved, um, I've always loved coaches. You know, I was a big, uh, because of my name and kind of the period of time, obviously Michael Jordan, I still hold to this day as one of the greatest competitors and greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. And Phil Jackson, as a result, you know, I think Phil Jackson, if you look at, there's been plenty of people who have had the talent that he's had at his disposal, but haven't done what he's done with it. And mm-hmm. so um, that was always something that piqued my interest. You know, we see these great athletes um, and that was cool. I didn't see myself to become like a, a, um, a great athlete, but I also, I think the guy who, or, or woman, you know, who's, who's sitting in the, uh, on the bench and has put all the, the things in motion to be able to get that result or to be able to develop that player. Um, I think that's a cool job. It's also a more sustainable long-term uh, uh, career than playing. And so uh, I made up my mind really quickly. I, I actually, I spent a summer in college running camps up in Seattle and it was like, the, it was the greatest experience of my life. Cause it was like on the field every single day. It was different age groups and I just like, I remember I called my mom, I think, and just said like, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. And of course she was like, can you get a real job? <laughs> um, but it was also, for me, it was a turning point and I knew, um, I knew that's what I wanted to do as a, as a career. And so I started just making kind of decisions to be able to do that. And so, um, I, and then when you're coaching, you know, some people, um, uh, especially myself, I have the idea that I'd like to coach um, I'd like to coach the best players I possibly can at, at the highest level that I can. And so whatever I can do to learn how to do that well, um, how to, how to, how to develop myself to, uh, to coach there, but also win there and, and play, play football. I'd like to play, um, at, at whatever level it is. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a junkie for that. So, um, I've tried to, surround myself or put myself in challenging environments that were just a little bit over my head and um but that also offered me opportunity to to really grow and i've been really 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 lucky that the places that i've been able to coach thus far have have done just that and so i hope that um that continues and then who knows i love it man i hear you jordan before we wrap things up um do you have a memory with the game of soccer where to this day, I mean, you can still think back and you know where you were, who you were with, what you were doing. 
um, something jaw-dropping. Is there anything that stands out? Yeah, um, Iniesta's goal against Ch- uh, Chelsea in the semifinal of the Champions League. I think it was, um, I want to say it was 2006 en route to, to win that, that 2006 um, final, but it might have been, it might have been, the 2009 champions league win. Okay. Um, and I actually think that, that, that sounds right. Um, but that, that, that year, that first time ball from the top of the 18 is a semifinal. Um, and I was watching, I watched the first half at, um, a friend of mine was working. And so he was like, come by the restaurant and I'll, I'll, you know, we can eat and watch the first half. And it was really tense and it was a nicer restaurant. So I had to leave, I left and I spent the entire halftime, like jamming home to watch the second half. Because uh, I knew I'm a Barca fan. Uh, um, that's the first. That's the first stadium I, I walked into in Europe, um, and as a teenager, and it was uh, just being in that cathedral uh, made me made me a fan uh, fan of that that Love club. Uh, and then you know many many different experiences with Barca after. But I just I do distinctly remember that Champions League semifinal when um, you know there's arguably two handballs for each team before and a couple other bad calls and whatnot. But Iniesta just stepped up and struck that ball from the top of the 18. And I just, that was one of those, those moments that just made you um, like scream, you know, like uh, for joy because the, the tension in the match was just so tight. And that was like the, the knife that, that slid it. And so I'll never forget that, that goal. A big thank you to Jordan Farrell, assistant coach of the Oakland Roots, for coming on the show. Best of luck to the Oakland Roots with their upcoming season. And you can actually buy tickets to games at www.oaklandrootssc.com slash tickets. And you can find them on Instagram at oaklandroots underscore sc. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Path to Pro Soccer podcast. And for more Path to Pro, you can follow at Path to Pro Soccer on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm your host, John Russos, and you can also listen to me on the Here's My Thing podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. Until next time.